In our culture, we learn through stories. But what if the stories we hear don't match the reality of life? What if the stories we hear every day that tell us how to write the narrative of our lives actually lead us to a false narrative? My name is Tim Kroll, and on this podcast, you will hear real stories. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Real people sharing the hard times, the bends in the roads along life's journey. If you're ready to join a community of other real people who are writing the narrative of their lives, then go to narrative.live and join the community. Now let's dive into today's show. All right, welcome back. We have another awesome story. I actually have met Andrew through Lego. Again, I got a lot of contacts through Lego. <laughs> I think we were introduced originally because he is a fan of Lego. They put stuff together. I know that you've bought a lot for your kids and for yourself. You know, your story, your journey goes so much broader than just the Lego aspect. And that's why I was loving the idea of having you come on and share. Uh, I know you and I, we've had coffee a couple of times. You've shared little pieces of your story. I know that we've been in trainings together. You went through the Leadership Oswego County. There was a lot of stuff there. We're not going to be able to unpack it all, but I really, I'm so grateful that you were able to, are willing, I should say, to be able to come on and share your story with narrative audience. And uh, man, welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, yeah, we definitely uh, got connected on the Lego aspect and then finding everything out. Yeah, and we've we've gotten to talk a lot and it's been a it's been a good time getting to know you and getting to know a little bit uh in that background, <laughs> especially with Lego stuff that I had no idea existed. So Yeah, well, and we've kind of been stumbling over some of the parts of our story. So this is like truly special because now this is gonna be like my first time to be able to hear it kind of chronologically, which is really, really kind of cool. So, like as everything, I mean, we we start this out, we really wanna base it off of you know, what was it like before you entered the adult phase of your life? What were the beliefs and what were the things that influenced you? What created Andrew Dibbles? What created you in that younger development phase of your life? Yeah, absolutely. So I was a military brat growing up. I was born in Nevada and then moved to Germany at a super young age. So once my parents got separated, I moved to middle of nowhere, New York. Everyone automatically assumes New York. They're like, oh, the city? Like, nope, my graduating class was like 35. So (laughs) I am middle of nowhere, New York. And that's where I spent a lot of my life. So uh, I had a really good background growing up, had really good family grounds, always lived close to all of my family up there. So I grew up Catholic. My grandma was very, very uh, heavy Catholic church every Sunday. So that's kind of how I grew up. Uh, Small town got really into sports, really into teamwork. And that is basically just the simple aspect of growing up in a small town, working on a farm, all that stuff. And then I was pushed into, I'll say I was pushed into adulthood. I joined the military at 17. Well, let's let's back up though real quick. I I know for me, my parents were, uh, my dad was in the military for a while and then he joined the post office and and we moved a lot as well. And I know that that presents several challenges in my own life. We've moved as a child, we moved from, man, we were everywhere. (laughs) I've been a lot of different states. So how did that, because you said you moved around a lot and obviously settled down in New York. How did the moving affect your belief of life and how things were done? I think it affected it in a very positive notion because I still hold it true to this day. I enjoy moving. I enjoy the aspect of it. I was only moving around. I think I finally, I think my mom settled down in New York when I was three or four. But even after that, I still love to travel, love to move. It's carried through my adulthood. I say I get a three-year itch if I'm somewhere for more than three years. I feel like I have to move. <laughs> um, it was definitely, uh, it was hard. I think really trying to settle in 
because even when my parents got divorced, my dad was still moving around a lot. So I didn't get to build a really good relationship with him. I was lucky enough to have a stepdad that stepped it up, no pun intended, uh, that was incredibly helpful in helping me develop into the person that I am. Yeah. So then you said your your grandmother was really influential in some of the training and the teaching and things. Or is that was that kind of like you developed a really strong relationship with your grandmother? Was that part of the influence of becoming an adult in the training? Oh yeah, absolutely. So my grandma and my grandpa uh, on my mom's side and my grandma on my dad's side, I guess as well. But my grandma was one of those people who she basically lived in the town her entire life, but. Me growing up, I was getting up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning going and milking cows with her. I mean, I think one of the craziest stories is she got kicked in the hip while she was milking a cow, broke her hip, and kept milking the cow. And oh it's my just one of, those, one of those things where like, you kind of learn perseverance and that tenacity without realizing it until you grow up and you get into that situation, you go back and you pull back at it. I mean, it's looking at it where, yeah, I had to go to church with her every Sunday, but it wasn't this dead set like she would get me a piece of paper and give me a cough drop and i'd get to just draw army guys the entire time i was there but it's it's one of those caring and compassionate things and then i remember getting into arguments not arguments but getting into heated debates about how my grandma had to go to church and we had to go but my grandpa got to stay and watch football so it's just this big like dynamic of two completely different people that combined and loved each other so strongly that i brought that into into my adulthood so then tell me a little bit about that. what influenced your decision to go into the Army at, at 17. I mean, like, that's that's pretty un, unheard of for people to jump into a military situation at 17. They, they're usually wanting to kind of push that off a little bit. That hurt, Tim. I was Marine Corps, not Army. For oh, I'm sorry. Guys. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> the Army stands for aren't ready for the Marines yet, but that's okay. No, my bad. Uh, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> no, you're good. So super military lineage throughout my family. I think by the time I was three, I was jumping off the picnic tables, pretending I was a paratrooper, saying I was going to grow up to be a soldier. And I mean, it was so integrated into what I wanted to do that I came home at 16 and told my mom that I talked to her Marine Corps recruiter today. And she said, cool, where do I sign? And it wasn't, oh, a, wow. to, it wasn't a to get me out of the house like situation. It was because she had known that my dad was a Marine. Grandpa was military. Two of my uncles were in Vietnam as tankers. So it's it's incredibly integrated into our family. I've got an uncle that just retired after 20 years as a uh, Black Hawk pilot for the, for the Army. So it, it's very, very deeply enrooted into how I grew up. So it was one of those things where I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Well, and I apologize for the army Marine thing. I know that's a, uh, uh, my dad was army. That's where (laughs) when you say military, my first thought is army because my dad was, was in the army. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I I hear you there. So that's interesting too, because I hear a lot of stories about kids that uh, want to get out. Like uh, they're, they're on that rebellious phase of they want to get out of the house and they think that it's going to be a lot more freedom in the army, but that's not necessary or the military, I should say just across the board military. And so they join up in whatever service um, and they find out it's not the case. So it sounds like yours is, is significantly different, but what was the level of expectation going into the Marines? Did you, when you went in there, was it all of a sudden like, wow, this is totally different than what I expected? Or was it pretty much you knew what was coming with boot camp and so on? I knew it was coming. My dad had me watch Full Metal Jacket at 15. Like I, I knew it was coming. I've been fully prepared basically up until the time. I mean, probably from age 13, I'd always talk to my dad when I did talk to him about it. 
And when it got to the time where I was getting ready to go to boot camp, he kind of gave me the be loud, do things fast, don't stand out. Uh, so I knew going in kind of what to expect. There's definitely things that when it happens in boot camp, you're like, nope, this was not expected whatsoever. But I definitely had a good mentality. I wasn't going in there thinking that, oh, I'm going to yell at my... I hear so many people that they're like, oh, if I went to boot camp, I'd yell at my drill instructors. No, you wouldn't. Like, no, no, <laughs> you can pretend you're as tough as you want to be, but you wouldn't. So I had a pretty good idea going in uh, what to expect and what was going to happen. So let me ask you this, because it sounds like you've got a couple of different phases of this whole development of what it's going to be like to be an adult. Obviously, the divorce aspect of it at the very beginning, but then you had a great father figure that stepped in as your stepdad, like you said. You've got a great ex- you know, example of, of what it means to be consistent and perseverance in your grandmother. Then you step into the military, and you, you obviously have a lot of people there that are telling you what to do. And then there's I know that there's a lot of training that goes into that and the mental toughness that they're trying to create in there. So is that all like these phases of development? Is that all part of creating and forming the beliefs of who you're going to be? And what are those beliefs? What what would you say would be like your top five values or, you know, you're ready to step out in the big wide world. What are you thinking? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it definitely, it definitely goes into what I went into there. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I was into boot camp and a lot of these things tied into there. You get taught and I don't know, I'm going to get yelled at for not knowing the entire acronym, but there's an acronym that goes by like JJ did tie buckle. And it's basically the, the pillars of the Marine Corps. So like justice, judgment, integrity, and that that's how I was raised. So it definitely filtered into there of, all right, I'm going in. And when I joined the military, I had a full belief that I was going to go in and be career for 20 years. And that, that didn't go that way for uh, other reasons, but I had that belief that I was going to go in and be career. So I wanted to embrace those things that I'd been taught as a child with my stepfather and all my supporting family, uh, but also then start really incorporating the military aspect of it and be a good leader. I think there's a lot of gray area out there about what people consider a good leader and how leaders are supposed to lead their troops, especially. And a lot of people think that it's just screaming and yelling. And I definitely took a different mentality through that because of how I was grown up and the the building blocks that I had while how I was raised that I was raised very well in the aspect that everyone is different and everyone is led different, which really led me to some great success in the military. Oh, that's, that's pretty incredible. So, all right, so let's make this shift. That's, I mean, that's, that's an awesome background. It's got a lot of good training in it, but let's make the shift. What in life reached out and smacked you in the head? What was the hard knock or the two by four that came on? And you were like, whoa, <laughs> this is, this is definitely different than what I expected. When I got out of the military, so I did eight years. Basically, I got to the point where the things had shit, the dynamics in the military had changed so much that I was, I made that decision to get out. And that was a huge dynamic shift going from the military for eight years to jumping into the civilian life and going into being a college student. And I ended up having my son uh, two years or a year and a half after getting out of the military. That was a pretty big hard knocks moment just because. I went from having a paycheck for eight years to not knowing what to do, not knowing how to essentially, we were not knowing how to be an adult. I mean, I had basically been guided that entire eight years and I had my leadership aspect, but I didn't know what to do. That was a huge hard knock for me, probably one of the first ones. And I I took it pretty hard initially getting out because I, like I said, I had no idea what to do. I was just, uh, I think it's 24 with no guidance whatsoever in life. So let's peel back the layer of the onion, so to say, on that. In regards to not knowing what to do and the hard knock of it was, 
I mean, you, you've had tons of preparation. You've watched your grandmother do work on a consistent daily basis, milking cows and breaking hips and still milking cows. And then you've got the tenacity and the mindset that you are able to gain through the military experience of just, you don't quit kind of a thing. And then all of a sudden you're pushed out or you choose to go and step out and then you do like the real world life. Like, is it a a feeling of being unprepared? Is it a feeling of abandonment? Well, like what what's going on mentally in regards to this shift of, okay, we're no longer in this, in this path, or was it an adjustment? Like I thought I was going to be in the military forever and now I'm not. Yeah. It was kind of, it was a combination of both. I definitely thought I was going to be in the military forever. So getting out. And then I had at that time, my grandma had passed away, both grandmas on my dad and my mom's side. So that kind of hit hard on that aspect, but yeah, it was definitely a, I'm going to be a career military. And then I got out and then it was one of those, there was a lot of self-doubt. Did I make the right choice? Like, should I try to go back in? I have a lot of friends or at least a couple of friends that got out and within a week, we're back in the military. And it was one of those, did I get out? What am I going to do? I don't know. And they, they do a decent job of trying to prepare you with resumes and all that stuff. But it was also, it was definitely a feeling of abandonment. I felt like certain aspects of the military had kind of turned their back on me from the time that I joined. So that, that was pretty hard. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait. Also- so what, what, what turned your back? The, the institution or the friends or like what, what turned your the back? Institution, the, the institution. So basically it came down to, I was used to being told what to do, which is fine. But I was one of those weird people that actually wanted to deploy. And I had set up to deploy and I had done all my training when I was in Japan. And I got to about two weeks before I was supposed to leave for Afghanistan. And they said, oh, we're not sending you anymore. And I asked why. And they said, oh, we don't have to give you a reason. I said, well, oh. then I'm done. Like, and it was almost, I had six months left on my contract. So I said, you know what? I'm done. Like, it's not, I'm one of those people. You got plenty of people who don't want to deploy. I want to deploy. So you're sending over kids that don't have that want. And I could fill that spot to create a better force over there. So that, that was kind of my breaking point. And I told myself if I made it over eight, that I was going to stay career. So eight was always, I had said it as soon as I joined the eight was my breaking point. If I stayed longer than eight, I was going career. Well, that, that's an interesting concept because most of the time people feel abandoned or betrayed by their parents or their by their, you know, their family unit. And in your situation, it's actually you felt really betrayed by those that you were serving in the military aspect. And it like they just pretty much just let you down. Yep. Absolutely. It, it was definitely a feeling of and it's one of those things where I was a good I, I feel like I was a great leader. I feel like I put forth a lot of effort. I was always one of the first people to volunteer. And it's just one of those things where I asked for something to do that benefits through it. And then, yeah, it's, it was definitely one of those just kicks of, ah, all right, like I'm, I'm doing everything that you told me to do. I'm jumping when you ask and I'm jumping how high. And it just, it just kind of was a, a kick in the back. Yeah. Wow. So again, looking at this, and this is what we're talking about is these huge bends or huge shifts in the row. And you had put a lot of faith and effort or not faith, uh, not effort, sorry, definitely faith. And you had put a lot of hopes and possibly even the dreams of what the future was going to be within the military service. And then all of a sudden you get smacked and it's like, that's just not how. So what would you say? Uh, and I don't really know how to ask this question because there's a lot of things as far as we dig into it. It's just like, okay, if you believe your path is going to be one way, and then all of a sudden you have this bend, like, how does that shake your, and I think you mentioned this, how does it shake your self-confidence? How does it shake your, the ability to be able to function in a way that, hey, I have, 
value to society. I mean, was all that part of this shift? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And to make it kind of sound crazy. So when all that happened, I felt that abandonment issue where other people a lot of times turn to drinking, drugs, all this fun stuff. I started jumping out of airplanes a lot. And when I say a lot, I mean, I was doing 12 to 16 jumps a day. That became my drug because when I was jumping out of an airplane, there was no, this sounds super counterproductive to the thought, but there was no stress for me. Like I felt at peace when I was doing it. So I did that a lot. And then I had a very bad accident, which kind of threw a whole different dynamic shift into there. But it was just, that was my out. That was how I was dealing with stress. And it was not a healthy way to do it because as fun as skydiving is, I definitely know that it's, we, we call it a gateway drug because it led to base jumping and a bunch of other high adrenaline sports. So so you said you had an accident. Was that part of the, was that like the second bend in the road? You had like one bend and you had another bend all of a sudden. Is that where that came from? So uh, my femur didn't quite bend, but you know, I learned that a femur can break really easily. No, um, that was a huge I went into a really big depression spiral when that happened because I didn't have insurance at the time. I didn't have life insurance and my children's mother was... So this happened in June. My son was due in October. Uh, So it was definitely a, holy cow, I just almost left my son fatherless before I even met him. So that, that was a big part. And that was... It led me to get into my first career out of the military because I knew I had to do something to uh, raise and help support my family at that time. So yeah, it was definitely a a shift. I went through a really bad depression phase, but I ended up pushing through. They said I wouldn't be able to walk until December without a cane. And I was fully walking and running and jumping again by October before Liam was born. Wow. So just to kind of look at this from a perspective, and maybe to try to summarize and see really where this is going. One is the fact that you stepped out of the military and felt the abandonment. Two is you started actually trying to appease that by doing a lot of the jumping, the skydiving, and then, like you said, a base jumping. And all of a sudden you get, in essence, that ripped away uh, because of an accident. You can't go do what that what you said was a gateway drug. That gets ripped away. And then there's a real realization that now you actually have responsibilities because your son's on the way. Was that the wake up call? Was that the time to say, okay, now we now we have to act like an adult kind of a thing? I, I don't. I'm not trying 100, to put words in your mouth. I'm just no, no. You're you're 100 right. It was, uh, and I still use the phrase to this day. But that was definitely a moment of, all right, I need to step up. I've got Liam. I've got a family. I need to basically figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Like I need to figure out what I can do to support the family. I need to get insurance. I need to get. Basically, at that point, I need to get my life together. I've been a skydiving bum going to school for the past year, basically just puttering around, changing my major three or four times. Like, all right, it's it's done. I had my rebellious phase. Like, I'll take that as my rebellious phase where other people have it at 15 or 16. I had it when I got out of the military because it's... That's about like 25, if I'm doing the math right. Yeah, I think I was was 24 or 25 when I got out. Yep. So that, that was my rebellious phase of... All right. I told people I was going to go get a job at McDonald's, get hired on and literally just turn around and quit because I haven't been able to do that for eight years. Like just to be able to be like, nope, I'm out. I'm done. Forget it. But yeah, that all was all the other same people like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I never did it. But in my head, I'm like, I just want to quit something like I, I have not. And I couldn't even at that point could even bring myself to do it. So, yeah. So what was the 
we talk about this wake up call, but oftentimes we don't realize as we do the wake up call, there has to be that personal growth and the the shift in perspective. So was it the accident that caused the shift? Was it the also maybe the knowledge of the responsibility that you have a child on the way? How was that perspective shifted and how do you actually enter your life now going forward? Like, so what's that 25, 26 or so? And I'm sure that you've had a lot of lessons since then, but like what, what was that mindset shift? And now how do you approach the adulthood? Honestly, it felt like, and excuse me for saying this, but it felt like you were running from your adult life all the way up until about 25 because you joined the military. It was an easy out kind of a thing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's to the point, like I tell people that I was deployed by the time I I think I was in Iraq by the time I was 19. And people are like, oh, like that must have been terrifying. Like, nope, I loved it. Like, why? Like, all you got to worry about is dying. Like, no, that's a weird mentality to have. Like, yeah, but it's, it's exactly that where it's just running away from the problems. Like if I'm there, there are no problems. So the accident was a huge shift was definitely. Wait, 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 we got to, we got to really kind of focus in on that. Cause I think that's a big <laughs> deal. So many of us do that. We run away from our problems and we think, and we, we justify that running away by, like you said, your service, let me go. I'm, this is a good thing and I'm running away. So I, I think that's a big deal. So I, I'm glad you said that, but I want to emphasize it. Cause I think it's a, it's a big deal for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it was definitely, and that's why I skydive too, because when I'm in the air, all I have to worry about is what I'm doing in the moment. And I don't have to worry about bills and all this other stuff. So in theory, I guess skydiving was a runaway mentality as well too. So yeah, so the accident was a huge dynamic shift for my first aspect of being an adult. I had to go and get a real job and become an adult. And it definitely... I got into telecom and I stayed into telecom until 2021. And then I had a very, very big, what I call my biggest aha dynamic shift that has led me to a fairly happy place in life as to what I'm doing with my life. Mm. So I was working telecom. I moved all over. I ended up having my daughter throughout the, from the time I got out of the military after Liam, I had Briar. And then we ended up moving all over the place. I ended up moving to New York, Illinois, and then in the end, Michigan, uh, still working telecom to be closer to the kids. But I was working 16, 18 hours a week or a day. And it just, I remember calling someone and just breaking down in tears. Like, I can't, like, I'm done. This is not what I want to do. This is incredibly stressful. I am depressed. And that person said, so quit. And I had not ever been in that mentality to quit something. Like, and I think that was probably one of the hardest parts about the military was actually essentially quitting it and feeling like a quitter through that aspect. But they said, so quit and do what you want to do. And I ended up quitting and got really in depth into my graphic design, which has led me down an incredible path that I've been down right now. Man, there's, there's a lot of false narratives there that like, like you realized one is the fact that you have to perform even when it's like a high pressure kind of a thing. And I want to be careful about that, but there is this aspect that there are times when it's necessary to quit. And I, it's it's good to hear that, especially when you're killing your soul and killing your body and killing everything about that. I'm, so that's a really interesting dynamic and a, a, a huge shift in personal development. What would you say as, we, as we're looking at this? I mean, I know you're doing a lot of different things in graphic designs and you own a hockey team and you do a couple of different really cool things. But what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned? Is it the fact that you tell me what's the biggest lesson that you've learned at, at, you know, moving into this kind of this phase of life of real being really a responsible adult. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's so cliche to say like, do what makes you happy, but it's so incredibly 
truthful in the fact that if you look at, if I look at where I was, what I was doing, and there was good money and there was a secure job, but just how unhappy I was, how unhappy it was making me around everything else and losing friends, losing connection with family members because of how much I was working. So yeah, it definitely, like I said, it's so cliche, but just doing what makes you happy or at least doing something that motivates you is such a huge thing to take away from all of it. Mm. So yeah. 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 And it's really interesting to see because everybody defines their happiness in different ways. So how would you define that? If somebody, if you're going to tell somebody, do whatever makes you happy, how would you actually define that a little bit more? Because I know, I I know you, and I'm trying to draw this out. I know that there's a deeper meaning behind that aspect. And so uh, like, how would you, how would you say that to somebody? If it was a younger you, what would you say to you? It's interesting. Um, I don't know. Like I, I love the creative aspect of things. And it's something that I've never been able to tap into because I felt like in the situations I was in, I was never able to. So I think that's a big part is to find that, to find that PCU that you feel like has been missing for a long time. And I think that's what it was for me is being able to pull into that creative aspect and pull into what I find myself thinking about it almost 24 seven. Like I'll wake up, I have a notebook sitting next to me that I'll wake up with designs that I come into or ideas for the hockey team. And I find myself designing and like, it's such a a cocky thing to say, I guess, but I'll look at something and be like, man, that looks good. Uh, And just being able to be proud of what you do and then getting the the gratification from other people is huge too. I don't need an attaboy from everything that I do, but when I post a Jersey or something and I have a customer be like, oh yeah, like we had 25 people order this. It's just that gratification that kind of gives you that smile and it it makes you happy. And I can go to bed knowing that I did something super cool that I was incredibly proud of. Yeah. So let me ask you this, and this is probably one of the bigger shifts in the narratives that you've had. Where does your value now lie? And let me lead that into a little bit more because it seemed like all of the things that you had going through as far as with the values of your home and the values uh, that your grandmother taught and the values of the military, it was all about the completion, not about the creative. So where do your values now lie? And has it shifted since the time, like you said, you felt your confidence was gone. You didn't feel of any value when you quit the military, but now where do you stand with that? Yeah, absolutely. It's It's been a huge, I mean, I'll start with the confidence aspect of it. I have always, even being military, being a skydiver, which people think is out of the, like out of the norm, but I've never been a confident person when it comes to, especially self-confident. I'm my biggest self-critic, but with this dynamic shift. And I think part of it is looking at how much my grandma and all my family did. And I think I look at it as uh, I don't want to waste how much hard work they put into my life when I was younger. And I know in my head, if they were still alive, that they would be incredibly proud of what I do. Like It's not one of those things where I look away and like, oh man, they'd be so disappointed in me. Like I know that she would be incredibly proud about what I'm doing. And I think that's a big part of it. And then hearing family members uh, one of the biggest compliments I got is I had my sister ask me to design some jerseys for, I think she was doing a mud run. So just that confidence has driven me a lot further than what I thought I ever could. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. So so as we kind of conclude here and we, as we wrap it up, what would you say would be the number one takeaway? If everybody listening to this, if they had nothing else and you didn't want, you only got one thing that you can take away, what would that one thing be? 
Oh, one thing's hard. So this is gonna sound really <laughs> maybe you have to you have to sneak it into kind of make it into a double so, double two thing kind of a thing. <laughs> so this is such a weird saying that we had in the military, but it's kind of embrace the suck. Like it might be bad at that time, but that is gonna lead you to to the good. I mean, that that's really kind of how I lived in the military is to embrace the bad, even if it's bad at that time, because it's going to get you to where you need to go in one shape or form. We all have a journey. It's just a matter of how we get there. Mine's taken a lot of steps to get to where I am, but I embrace the suck when it comes and I just go with it. Mm, that's pretty powerful, actually. <laughs> I think most of the growth happens in the embrace the suck. So that's pretty awesome. All right. So how can people get in touch with you? Um, obviously, you do a lot of design work. I, I know you've done stuff for myself as well. So uh, very, very talented designer. So how, how could people uh, get in touch with you if they needed to get in touch with you? Yep. So I am on Facebook and I am on Instagram. Uh, just started a new page for there as DNB. So D is in dog, N is in Nancy, B is in boy, media is where I do a lot of my design stuff. That's where all that's coming through. And then as Tim mentioned a couple of times, I actually own a hockey team as well. We're going to start kicking it off here in Kalkaska. I was a part That's owner. Northern Michigan, for those that are not in Northern Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I was a part owner last year of another hockey team, and I had the opportunity to pull the trigger and step away from that. And I appreciate my mentorship that I had through that to kind of start my own one to help advance the league. So we've got the Kalkaska Battlers, and we're on Facebook and every other aspect of social media. So that's where you can find me. One of those two ways they coexist with each other. DNB media is always around Kalkaska and Kalkaska is always around DNB media. So that's so awesome. That's so awesome. Well, again, thank you. Um, we were talking earlier offline, whether to call you Andrew or Dibs. And, uh, you know, like, I feel like as a friend, it's Dibs and professionally we're at Andrews. So, but thank you. I, I mean, I, I, I really truly hope that this inspires people. And as always, if something has sparked you, if something has inspired you, not only myself, but also Andrew, and that's why people come on for these stories. We want to hear what you changed. We want to hear what inspired you. We want to hear what's going on in your life. So don't hesitate to leave a comment if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're listening to it on a podcast, reach out to us. We really want to hear what's going on in your lives. So until next story, take care and continue to write your narrative. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the author of your story? Take the next step now at www.narrative.live and enter your details to connect with a community of others just like you that are tired of living under the false narrative. Finding your true story and writing your narrative, it will give you clarity, freedom of your day, and it just might change your life forever.